Right on radio. Right on radio. That's my prayer anyway. <laughs> we'll go along with that prayer, Jeff. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here on this Revelation Sunday. Of course, I'm, we're joined by Jody and Jesse. Good morning to everyone. What a beautiful day we are going to have together. We're going to continue with chapter three of Revelation and I just want to remind from the previous two ones, in the end of chapter one, it's record what you saw, 
and what is, so current, and then what is to come. What is to come starts in chapter four. So this is what is. Now, I've been studying a few different interpretations of the book of Revelation, and there's the dispensation of time with the churches, which people tend to make work, and they have a pretty convincing argument. I'm not 100% uh, in agreement with that personally. However, I'm not going to say that it's wrong. I think there are some parallels, and God is a lot bigger than, than everything that I can see. But for the purpose of, of this, I'm just going to say it's the churches were real, they did exist, and there's basically seven different models of churches that we're going through, and the messages, I think there's a message from each one of these churches that will speak to a church today, and that's the way I tend to view this. So, Jody, would you like to open us up with some prayer? I absolutely would. Lord God, Father in heaven, we just glorify you. We thank you for your presence with us today, for your Holy Spirit and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We come before you in his name, and we thank you, Lord God, that you've prepared the soil of the hearts of us and those who have joined us this morning. We thank you, Father, that we will not come from our heads, but we will come from our spirits. We will not speak words that are not of you, and our intent is pure before you, that those that are out there would know you. If they know you already, they'll know you better. If they don't know you, they will find you here today. We give you all glory, honor, and praise, and we devote this time to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So one of the questions that keeps coming up, and just before we get into the study, um, it really comes up quite a bit. And I was reminded of this yesterday. So I want to talk about prayer. And one of the questions, you know, though the question is, it keeps coming up really is, you know, hey, we hear you guys talking about being in prayer all night uh, and different things. But then, you know, we say a quick prayer like Jody just did. So is there a right and wrong way to pray, Jesse? Uh, no, there's not. But there's different types of praying. So you know, there are many times throughout the day, you know, different moments where I have quick prayers that I'm saying, I'm constantly having different conversations with the Lord. Um, but, you know, there are times where, you know, the Lord called me to pray or intercede. And then there's the warfare, spiritual praying. So, you know, when he started calling me to intercede, um, you know, it would be praying for specific things, whether it was healing or, you know, praying for someone's protection or their salvation. And that would start, you know, where I was praying, you know, I'd set a timer and I would at least spend an hour focused praying just for those things. And then I would build up to longer prayers if the Lord called me for that. And for each of those, if it is longer prayers, I pray until you know, I feel like the Lord's released me that, um, you know, there's no more to pray over that matter uh, for that day. So, um, you know, and then the same with spiritual warfare, you know, when uh, we're fighting for different areas or territories in the heavenlies, you know, that can go longer where sometimes we are praying six to eight hours a day, but that's something the Lord always seems to build us up for in that season. Mm -hmm. 
I'd, I'd like to remind everyone, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So basically exactly what Jesse's telling you, God has called different people to be intercessors. Those are the ones they find themselves on their knees a lot. God has called some people to be in spiritual warfare on the front line. They find themselves in prayer for hours sometimes. But not everyone is called to that, but we are all called to pray. It's part of the armor of God. So how do we pray effectually and fervently? So we, we go before the Father and we follow the example that Jesus Christ gave us in the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people like to quote exactly what he said, but I believe it's a template where we go before God, we honor him, we glorify him, we ask that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we hold before him, you know, the situation that we have in our hands. And uh, it could be for healing. Father, I pray for healing for so-and-so. And, you know, and your word says, and we quote the word like Jesus did in spiritual warfare when he was face to face with the enemy, when he was tempting him. And we say, your word says that you healed them all at your desire. So I pray that you heal so-and-so. And, you know, and it's a simple thing. And then you just, you close out in his name because it's the name above all names. And you just, you, you start to learn that praying is actually, like Jesse said, a conversation with God. We're in, I'm in conversation with the Lord all day long. And, um, and it's, and it's, sometimes I'm just worshiping him and other times he's showing visions. He's showing, giving me words. I just told you guys how we spoke over my own voice the other day. So, um, you know, so it's learning to be in relationship. Prayer is communication with God. It's not a religious thing. It's like you and I are talking right now. It's like, you know, if Jess calls me and says, you know, we need to pray about so-and-so, you know, and then we start praying together, you know, it's just, it's conversation. It's including God in what we're, we're doing. So just start relaxing and talk to your father. Talk to him like we're talking to each other. Remember how Jesus did. He worshiped the father. He brought it before, you know, and, and then he closed out and he said, do all these things in my name. So that's why we say in Jesus name. So it's, it's not a hard thing. It's just something you get used to doing. You know, I love what you said. It's not a religious thing. Uh, although there's nothing wrong with scheduling it and <laughs> doing it religiously in, in that, right. uh, in that manner. Uh, but every, each one of us is, is different uh, in this. And for myself, if, if for me to just go down on my knees and pray for hours is really not that common. Uh, when I do uh, go into a lengthy prayer. It's usually started with worship because I used to be on a worship team and I, and worship has been, you know, to me, that's warfare, uh, the worship end of it. And, oh, yeah. but then, but then it draws you into a place where time doesn't really exist because you really feel the presence of the Lord, or at least I, I do at those times. But most of the time when I pray, my prayers aren't that long, you know, one, two, five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes. And, and I don't tend to repeat a lot of things in my prayers. And, and this is just my personal thing. So maybe one, one or two of you will resonate with this. Maybe you won't. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but uh, I have a very strong faith. So if I've prayed for something, you know, I'll bring it up again. But most times I just believe that God has heard my prayer. And so I bring it up like, God, I'm still waiting for this, you know, and that's really where I leave it. I don't have to go into that long diatribe about, you know, doing this and doing this because I just believe in faith that it's already done. I'm just waiting for it to manifest. So 
Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of our take on prayer. And I hope to the, uh, to the many people who've written in that question that that answers it. All right, let's get into the word of God because it is Revelation Sunday. I've, I've been saying that since about five this morning. But I don't know why. <laughs> I wish I could sing. <laughs> I really do. Um, maybe I should practice because I think I have the capability of doing it. All right. I'm going to read uh, the message to Sardis and then we'll, uh, we'll break it down and we're going to get through the whole chapter today. So, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, and yet you are dead. Be constantly alert and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and what you heard and kept and repent. Then if you are not alert, I will come like a thief and you will not know at the hour in which I come for you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who overcomes will be clothed in the same way, in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. The one that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a good one. So I always like to I just I love how the Lord introduces himself a little bit differently to each one. And here he's really calling of his majesty and his character again. It's, you know, the, the seven spirits of God, which we discussed in uh, in chapter one and the seven stars, which are the angels that are surrounding him. So he's introducing himself from this high place. And what do you see from there? You want to go, Chester? Sure. Um, well, one of the things that uh, strikes me is that, you know, he's talking about he who holds the seven spirits and the seven stars, which we know are the churches and the angels who oversee those areas. Um, and he says that, you know, they have a name, that they're alive, but they're dead. And, um, you know, so I think. You know, it's important to really think about that. What what makes us as Christians alive? What makes the church alive? What makes it dead? And I think here that, that you know, it's really, he's really focusing on faith and that relationship. And he starts to define, you know, what things are considered dead, you know, um, you know, one of them is that he had not found their deeds completed in the sight of God. And, you know, the other, he says, you know, um, so remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. So I think that that kind of all goes together that, 
you know, not only were there things that the Lord had purposed or planned for them to do, um, but they were not, you know, what they had received and heard, they weren't keeping to it and they weren't repenting. You know, there was this, this continual going in the direction of their own will. And so I like, you know, bringing that out that, you know, to follow Christ means that there's a constant daily surrender, uh, you know, where you're saying, okay, Lord, not my will, but show me what your will is for me this week, this day, this week. Um, you know, every moment of every day, I want you to be the sovereign Lord who's in charge and overseeing everything in my life. And, you know, it gives me joy to do your will, Lord, whatever it is. And taking that time to, you know, seek the Lord's will. Yeah. yeah and what I see is that this is a church that, you know, probably had a profound effect. It was super alive. And now they're just kind of sitting on their reputation, you might say. And, and what, what this speaks to me, of course, I've always, I, I kind of have the knack of always seeing the stewardship things in, uh, in the word. And to me, it's like the, the original church when they were on fire and they were making a difference in the, in the city and, you know, probably, you know, amazing things were happening around and the church is growing. And yet at, over those years, the heart of the people who were there at the beginning was not passed on to the people who are there now. Uh, but yet there's a remnant inside the church that God recognizes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things and I think we're going to see it in, uh, in, the following uh, in the Laodicean church again as well. It's just, you cannot become comfortable right. in this. The, the war does not stop because you got comfortable and hit some success. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were successful because it was very powerful and rich city at one point, but just like the church, it began to wane in its, in its um, own glory, the town as well as the church. And it all goes back to what, we were saying a few minutes ago, relationship. You know, if I say I'm in a relationship with someone, but I don't talk to them, I don't visit with them, uh, I barely even, you know, spend any time there, you start to you start to not know each other. You know, you don't know what's going on on a daily basis. And, you know, you could say, well, you know, yesterday I went to so-and-so. I didn't know you went there because there's no communication. There's no intimacy. And that's exactly what happens here. They were alive. They were they gave their heart to the Lord and, and then they began to, you know, wane from it. And so they were no longer alive. And the Bible talks about faith without works is dead. And if you're operating in faith, works just happen around you. You know, you'll need uh, uh, money. You'll get a bill and you'll be like, oh, Lord, I just laid this at your feet. I don't have money for this. And all of a sudden it'll come in, you know, so the little things we miss. Um, and the, the challenge to Christians unlike satanic um, relationships, is a demon will get in your face or a, a fallen angel will get in your face and they'll really expect a lot from you. You've got to pay attention to what they're saying and they require a lot from you. With God, our relationship is love-based. It's not a forced thing. So he's he wants us to go before him every day and he actually meets us there. 
This is not an intense, you better love me and you better do what I say and everything better be just right or else, you know, this is an intimate love affair. And they lost that. And because they lost it, the fruit that comes from that was missing. So, you know, in in that way, he's warning them, look, if you don't get it right, I'm going to come like a thief in the night and you're not going to even know I was here. And why wouldn't they know? Because they weren't intimate with him and they weren't paying attention to what was going on. Just like if I were to go to a movie and say to you, you know, yesterday I went to a movie. You're like, you didn't tell me that, you know? So we want to stay intimate with God. And that's what I felt when I was um, reading this, you know, that they lost that love affair. And a lot of people after three months in a relationship, they're like, you know, no, 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 I kind of not into the guy anymore or the girl anymore, you know, because that fire that you had in the beginning's gone. But that's where the real relationship begins, you know. And that's, that's when you know it counts. So um, I just wanted to share that part. And he gives a specific instruction there. And this goes to back to what Jesse was saying. But remember what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. So there's always, he's always leaving that door open for that relationship that Jody was talking about. It's never too late. But, uh, and you know, when when Jody said, you know, faith without works, that's so true. Again, we're not earning our way into heaven, but if you're walking with the Lord, you'll just see things. If you see, one of my good friends said, you know, if you see a need, go to the need. You know, it's, and you'll see it. You'll have eyes to see these things because you're walking with the Lord and in his spirit. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, he even brings that out in verse four, that there were few people in Sardis who had not soiled their garments. And he says, you know, they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. And, um, you know, it says those who overcome will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase their name from the book of life. I will confess their name before my father and before the angels. So you've got that picture again of those you know, who are worthy to walk with the Lord, you know, not behind him, not in front of him, but with him. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I, yeah. And I'm glad you brought out that verse, Jess, because it talks about their garments. For me, the garment means your flesh. So when Adam was created in the garden, he was just like God in the, in the original uh, language says he made him a little lower than the angels in the original language that said a, a little lower than Elohim. And he, so it, he was made a little lower than God and they walked together. Like you just said, they walked together. And so he looked just like God. So what did he look like? The light, the glory, the brightness of God. I'm getting goosebumps telling you this. So when he talks about, they have not defiled their garments. I believe he's talking about their flesh. This is of course my interpretation. And then he says, um, and they shall walk walk with me in white, that would be in the glory, all the glory of God on upon you, the white raiment. And when they talk about Jesus, like he's glowing, and it looks white, I believe that's actually speaking of the glory and the intensity of God. So when he says he'll be clothed in white raiment, I believe that the flesh is just not even present. (laughs) You know, it's just the glory of God that's on you. And your name is is not blotted out. And it's in the book of life. And he confesses you before the Father. I mean, this is such a beautiful thing. And it's kind of really exciting to think of that, 
you know, that he would allow us to, like Jesse just said, to walk with him. He's not, he's not saying, okay, now get behind me. You know, I've seen uh, people in the place where I live where the wife has to walk because of their culture behind the husband. And, I, and I've seen them where her head was down. And when he went by, I looked at her and she smiled so big <laughs> that I acknowledged her but she kept her head down as she kept going. We don't want anybody in God's kingdom feeling like that. The Lord doesn't want anybody feeling like that. You walk alongside him and you shine like he does. It's, it just gets me excited, really excited. So I shouldn't make my wife walk 10 feet behind? <laughs> when we no, meet and you no. go to hug me real tight, I'm going to smack <laughs> you in the head. <laughs> Brother. Marine smack. Yeah. I was kidding, folks. I like, know, uh, I know. He's kidding. All right. So the, so the thief in the night thing is going to come up again. We're going to talk in detail about the rapture. when we. So I'm not going to spend time on it, but it says be alert. And what we're going to find is that he doesn't come in a thief of the night for those who are commanded to watch and we are commanded to watch. You're going to find out essentially not the date, obviously, but you will know the signs of when he is coming. And, you know, I'm going to suggest that, you know, probably 75 days out, you'll have a pretty good clue of uh, when the rapture is going to take place. So we will get to that. We're going to cover that uh, as we get there. Uh, the other thing that I just really want to touch on here is it says, I will not erase his name from the book of life. Now, I've seen a few different interpretations of this. Uh, the one that sits best with me, not saying it's right, is that every name is written in the book of life, and then some are erased, but he knows in advance which ones will be erased, right? But it's it, he does not want anyone to be erased. And that's why your name was written in the book of life. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I would agree with that interpretation. Um, one of the scrolls I had studied, um, you can read a book by Dr. Michael Weiss, uh, W-I-S-E. And he was one of the original individuals who interpreted the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, but he had one of the scrolls in there that was considered, you know, not biblical scroll, um, was supposedly written um, about Enoch and an encounter he had with some giants. And the giant, three giants had come to him because the one had a dream. And when he described the dream, he said he saw like these vats of water. And he saw these scrolls with all the names of everybody on the earth written on them. Mm -hmm. And the scrolls were dipped into the water. And when they were brought up, there was only eight names left on the scroll. So it's interesting when you, you know, interpret that in light of the flood, you know, there was only eight people who survived that flood who got on the ark. Um, so, you know, Enoch had the end of the, um, you know, scroll, Enoch tells them that they should repent and turn to God while they have time, you know, but it's kind of interesting. So that would kind of be that same theory where all the names are there. And then the Lord literally washes away or erases those who, you know, don't follow him wholeheartedly or who choose not to, um, you know, repent of their sins. All right. Here's a, 
Oh, yeah, go ahead, Jody. Uh, an another teaching on that is that once you give your heart to Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So just to bring a, a, another teaching that someone might be familiar with. Um, and then, like we see throughout scripture, five of the brides will not be ready. You know, uh, many are like in the days of Noah, many are not going to accept the signs of the time and they won't they won't make it so um so some believe that that means that that's when your name is erased when you've you know when you've given yourself to the lord but then it it dies and it's you know it's just erased and it's sad so so that's another teaching that i've heard i've you know just to throw that in there in case anybody yeah out. and listen we, we, these mysteries will be solved but mm -hmm. i also think of uh, of a person and I'm not thinking of someone in particular, but I, there's there's a type out there that will say, yeah, yeah, I accept Jesus. And they do it as an insurance policy. Right. And, <laughs> and they just say the words, okay, I got it. You know, if it's given by grace, I got it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not judging that person. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, you know, I think uh, when we go through these scriptures, it's, well, the, his judgment will be fair. Let's just say that. Well, he, he, he looks at the intent of the heart. So if it's an insurance policy, he understands that, you know, and, uh, and, and we have to remember within the believers of this church that we're talking about, Sardis, there was a remnant and the remnants names would not be blotted out. So what happened to the ones who were there who weren't continuing in? So, so some people repent. believe, right. So some people believe that the remnants names are what is actually going to remain on the book. So that's another way to look at that as well. All right. So just to close out this chapter, again, these are things that are, is my interpretation. I believe it's pretty clear. And one of the things that justifies that opinion is the very last verse of this uh, particular one in verse six, because it says, the one who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just to this physical church that existed. It's talking about the churches. And by the way, you in the audience, uh, Jody, Jesse, myself, we have ears. This is meant for us. All right. Let's move on to Philadelphia. This is a good one. Uh, who, would like, who would like to read Philadelphia? I can read that. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those who are the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not but lie, and I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who will dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. 
And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, this has got to be everyone's favorite out of the seven churches. <laughs> There's so much in this one. I'm yes. excited. So again, let's look at the uh, introduction. He who is holy, who is true, and who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. Now, for the key of David, this is very significant. Because my understanding is, this is like, uh, this is a key to the intimate place of God in the throne room where not everyone who is saved will be able to go. Mm -hmm. This is a real spot of intimacy that is reserved for this church. Yeah, that I think that's the understanding that most have, Jeff, on that. Oh, Jody, you were muted. Sorry about that. I heard the, the little one downstairs and I muted. <laughs> um, I've also heard it also as the messianic authority, the authority of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And those keys open and what's just like we're told what you bind and what you loose. So it's it's um, it's exciting to think that he holds these, you know, these messianic keys, these keys of Christ's authority as Messiah. So um, I've heard it that way as well. So it's exciting. You know what the, the scripture when we dig into it, it can mean so much more. Uh, and this is a purview. This is trying to erase some of the symbology and just explain some things mm -hmm. for the listening audience. We could pull out scripture upon scripture upon scripture. To back all this up but it would literally each chapter would take weeks <laughs> to get through so we're encouraging you to go deeper in this uh but we want to take the mystery out of the book of revelation for everyone to see because i believe we're coming into a time when knowing this is going to be really important and i love it jeff that we're bringing all different um, understandings and it, who's to say it doesn't mean all of it. I've read scripture in years earlier, you know, I was saved at age 11 and I started eating the Bible like it was the only food I had. And so, you know, uh, from that time forward, I would read the same scripture over and over and get different revelation for different time of my life. And that's what Rhema, the Rhema word of God, it's the God breathed word. So when you're reading the Logos, the written word of God, you get Rhema, which will, the Lord has multiple things in one scripture at times. And it's exciting. I, and, uh, you know, I, I want everyone to be encouraged. Don't feel like, oh, I don't understand either way. Just dig in, like you said, and let God speak to you through his breath. Because for you at that moment, it might mean one thing. And at another moment, it might mean something else because it's God inspired. So I just want to throw that out there. And I want, and I'll even add to that. And then you can get into the study of the numerology of the Bible. Right. And and yes. and and, the, and then if you go back to the pre-Canaanite symbols, the alphabet, mm -hmm. like it, literally in the very opening, uh, the very first verse of Genesis, you get the context of the entire Old Testament mm -hmm. when you look at it in depth. It's incredible. So. Um, and by the way, if there, if if the person that's going to be saved today, if you're in the audience right now as we're speaking, if you do not understand this, 
you cannot understand the word of God without having the spirit of God. And if you want to have the spirit of God come into you, just simply ask, say, Lord, I've been a sinner. I want to know you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Let me walk with you. And God will set you free. And, and in fact, you know, the, one of the misconceptions about being a disciple of Christ is that, no, you have to live in all these rules. It actually is the opposite. It's freedom. Mm -hmm. It is absolute freedom to walk in. He sets you free of so many traps in your life. And he promises you joy, peace, understanding. I think there's just so many good things. So say that prayer right now. And if you are that person, be bold and might make something in, in, in the comments or in the chat and say, hey, that was me you were speaking to. And, uh, and I'm going to ask the moderators just to make sure it stands out to us if we miss it, because I don't have the chat up in front of me as we're because I've got the word beside our window here. Uh, but we will say a special prayer for you. I promise you that. If you're that person, we will say a special prayer for you. Not that there's anything special about us, but we will single you out and pray, God, your name and that other people come to surround you and to feed you the word of God and to walk with you in your journey. Amen. All right. So I love the verse, um, you know, I think it's a uh, verse eight um, where he says, behold, I've put before you an open door. And, you know, as we're talking about the throne room in that intimacy with God, we have to remember that, you know, when Jesus died on that cross, that the, the veil that had separated the holy place from, you know, the holy of holies where you could enter into the Lord's presence, that that veil was torn in two. Mm -hmm. And that now we can enter boldly into the throne room of God. Um, you know, you don't have to be a seasoned warrior you know, to be there, you don't have to be called into that place. You know, the Lord already has opened the door mm -hmm. and he's leaving it open. So anybody can come and commune with him at any time, any day, you know. And so I would encourage people, you know, that that's one of our, our citizen rights as citizens of heaven, that we have the right to come into God's presence and you know, to fellowship with him deeply. And if we're not using that right, you know, we need to be. Mm -hmm. And if I can add there too, Jess, I love when you bring stuff up because it gets me excited about other stuff too, um, where he says, um, you know, I've set before you an open door, no man can shut it, for thou hast little strength, but has kept my word. How many feel that way today? Like they don't have strength. A lot of times I hear people, they, they'll hear what's going on in the world and they'll text me, I, I, I'm so done, you know? So I want to encourage you. It, what, what Jesse's talking about, what the Lord showed me in a vision, I was praying with someone in my living room and the Lord showed me a hand and the hand was smashing down the gate of hell. And the Lord said, I'm, I'm holding back 
the gates of hell for my remnant. And then I saw a vision of the holiest of holies, which she's talking about the veil. And it looked like a Superman shirt being ripped open. I saw the hands of the Lord go like this. And he said he was going, and I've talked about this before in the show, to reveal himself like he's never done before. We're about to walk into some really miraculous stuff. I mean, I've already seen it on Easter. I saw resurrection <coughs> family member, you know, um, just the other day, I told you guys what happened when the voice told me not to buy what Satan was to say. And so we're about to start walking all of us into some really supernatural stuff. So I want to encourage anyone whose strength feels low, just like they did here in Philadelphia. Be encouraged in the Lord. Do whatever you've got to do. Watch right on radio, pray, worship, whatever lifts your spirit. There was a season in time where David, everyone that was with him, warring with him, moments later when things went wrong were against him and he had to separate himself and encourage himself in the Lord. So be encouraged here. Keep God's word and don't deny the name of the Lord. A lot of people are going, oh, I don't even know if God's in control of this. It just looks like the devil is. No, he's not. He wants you to believe that. He wants you to buy his lies, but he's a liar. So be strengthened, whatever it takes. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Laugh, enjoy friends, uh, be merry, do whatever you do, sing, you know, whatever makes you happy, exercise. And, and keep his name, because at this point in time, we are going to begin to see this holiest of holies open and the power and might of God. And he said he's going to like people look to prophets and they're like, oh, well, you see vision and you see we're all going to be doing that. Every single one of us, because he's opening it up. And I want to encourage you to hold on. Don't feel a lack of strength. Hold on to the Lord, his word. And just keep doing that, which keeps you encouraged. Encourage yourself like David did. And you're going to see God's glory like you've never seen it before. It's coming. It's exciting. And Noah, you know, I think it's important to bring out too, what does that open door give us access to? Mm -hmm. You know, as we come into the throne room of God, you know, we've talked before how the enemy comes before the throne of God as well on a daily basis and has to ask for permission for everything that's done. So, you know, it gives us that access to God's power mm -hmm. and we're able to come, you know, into that place. We're able to bring our requests. We're able to ask for that power, that authority for the things, you know, that we're seeking the Lord for. And, um, you know, where is that power and authority? It's in his word. It's in his name. And, you know, when you want to see the mountains move, you know, that's the place where you're going to be asking, Lord, move this mountain, mm -hmm. you know, in that throne room. Yeah. And we're, we're in tribulation all the time. Even the disciples were in tribulation it means a pressing, a trying, a, you know, Jesse's so right on about that. We have access to God like never before because of Jesus Christ. But what you'll know that you've attained a certain relationship with God when you realize everything you've ever been through he trusted you with it. You know, there, I, I'm from a child, I was molested. I was beaten. I was, I mean, we were poor. We were, I'm, I, if I told you everything I've ever been through, it, you would be like, holy smokes, just like Jesse, when you hear her testimony, you're like, how could someone come through that and just shine this way for Christ, you know? And it's because at some point you realize first Peter one and seven, where he says, for the trials of your faith are more precious than gold because gold, you know, perishes, perishes, but 
we're tried with fire. And, and if we stand on our own two feet, praise and honor and glory will be there at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When we get to a point where we stop ba being babies about it, and I don't, I'm a Marine, so I'm sorry if I come off bold or strong, but we've got to stop going, woe is me, and start saying, okay, God, you know what, I'm going through something here, you know, um, help me to learn the lesson. And the reason I'm going through this is because you trusted me to be able to handle this. The word says he would never put anything on us that we couldn't handle. So when that accuser goes to the throne room and says, I want to put this on Jesse because Jesse, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, father's going to say, no, you're not. Or he's going to say, you're allowed to do such and so, but you can't do this. And then when that comes, if you recognize, ah, this is a trying of my faith to bring glory and honor to the Lord. He trusts me to go through this and you stand having done all to stand, you're going to see the glory of God in ways you've never seen before. And I'll re I remember the day that it hit me, I burst, I had food in my mouth, I almost choked. The day that it hit me, all the things I've been through, he trusted me. And the fact that the God of all creation trusted me to go through it, trusted Jesse to go through it, trusted you, Jeff, and all those in the audience to go through it and still stand. Oh my gosh, what a testimony of his, his, his belief and what he's put inside you. So you believe what he's put inside you too. I mean, this is an exciting day to be alive. It's freaky, it is. but it's exciting. <laughs> so let me pick up there about halfway through verse eight and go through in, into nine then. Mm -hmm. And you have followed my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down before your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Now, this is really, really cool. So first of all, the, the synagogue of Satan is the Jews who deny Christ. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that's exactly who it is. So, but yet there's something here. So if you're walking in the Lord, you will be persecuted. Someone is going to come against you. It might not be the synagogue of Satan. It might be just your friends, you know. Um, and by the way, the Lord will strip some people who are not good in your life away from you when you come to Christ. Thank God for that. But he's going to make them come down and bow at your feet because you were strong. Now, what that says to me, if I take it in a literal interpretation, for them to get there and bow before your feet means they got saved. At least some of them. Uh, listen, that's just my interpretation. Could be wrong here, but I would say it as an encouragement. Those who come against you, you can plant those seeds. You might not see that seed grow, but who knows uh, what can happen? Maybe someone else comes and waters that seed, right? So even when people come against you, just love them and tell, let your light shine. And, you know, that's what that, uh, that particular verse says to me. Mm -hmm. Amen. <coughs> now, you guys know that that just happened to me where someone was coming against me. I shared the personal story with you guys. And at first I started to get angry. And then the Lord reminded me to be angry and sin not. <laughs> 
which isn't always easy, by the way. No. <laughs> so, um, so when. And by the way, none of us have a perfect track record there either. Right. No, please don't look at me to be an idol. I don't want to. I'll let you down. You know, none of us are perfect. But the Lord had me walk in love with that person, and they were pushing and pushing and pushing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to agree with what God says about you. I'm going to agree with that. And I've, I let them know, I love you. I'll continue to pray. I'll never give up on you, but I'm not agreeing with what's happening here. I'm going to agree with what God says. And then as I, I shared with you guys, a few moments later, I was struck with a pain in my abdomen that just knocked me over. I couldn't stand up. And if anybody knew my life story, I've been, I've broken my spine. I'm reconstructed on the inside. There's mesh and metal. And <laughs> so, um, and I'm a miracle walking because I went from a wheelchair to walking, you know, over time. But, um, but so as I sat there, I heard my voice say, oh Lord, this hurts. I pray it's not. And just as I'm talking, I hear a voice on top of my voice and it interrupted me. And he said, don't you accept this? And so I stood straight up and I said, I won't accept this, Lord. I'm, I'm not accepting this. I'm standing straight up. And it was gone. It was gone so fast. I can't even tell you when it left. It just was gone. <laughs> so, you know, when you're talking about these things and you're talking about, you know, Satan, who's a liar and, and how he tries to deceive us and, he, and those of the synagogue of Satan, they're all liars. You know, it's the synagogue is a place where they congregate and meet, you know, and we don't want. I walked in love in that one situation. So he came at me in another situation and I was able to, through the power of the voice of the Lord, just go, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to stand on your word here too, <laughs> you know, but we have to remember that we're not to hate them. We're not, even if they are of the synagogue of Satan, they are deceived. And, you know, and if we're like, I've said to someone before, you know, I don't hate you. If you're wrong, my heart hurts for you. My heart doesn't want to see you deceive or live in eternal damnation or, or fire. And people who have died and had hell experiences, my God, the things they come back. There was one guy who died in, in his sleep. I was reading about him and he came out and he was balled up on a ball on the floor shaking and his wife could not get him to come out from the things he saw there. So if, if we know that there are people who are blinded in this darkness, love never fails. It never fails. We're to love them and pray for them. And Jesse's whole life, from what she lived through, is to bring them out, not just the generals, but all of them, the children, the ones that are stuck now because they made these covenants with darkness. And now they realize, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't mean to do this, you know, so, and it happens to many movie stars, you know, you'll see them doing their symbology and all that kind of stuff, showing that they bought into it. And then all of a sudden they're, they're being attacked by them because they don't want it anymore. And how many of them might still be alive, but had faked their death to get away from these people, who knows? But anyway, that kind of took us on a rabbit trail, but I wanted to share that because you know, we know who they are and God knows who they are and we don't want to buy into their lies. And if you accept one way, he'll attack you another way. But if you continue to stay on God's word, like he says above, don't deny my name and don't deny my word. You have victory every time. So That's right. You know, and some of us aren't so super spiritual. Like, you know, I, I eventually come around to thanking the Lord for the trials, yeah. you know, but I'm going to go through my <laughs> usual stuff. You know, <laughs> I want to, I want to 
you know, I want to hit, <laughs> I want to fix it myself, you know, and then I eventually get humbled and pray. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, all right. So here's one that, that I really want to get some insight on. Uh, verse 10, because you have kept my word of perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of the testing, that hour which is about to come on the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now, I want to be clear, I can find no reference to that being in relation to the tribulation. The tribulation is not referred to as an hour anywhere, but I have not found the concrete definition of where this comes from. What say either of you? Mm -hmm. There are verses about that day uh, or the day of the Lord. Um, there's verses that that refer to that hour, that time. Um, some of those, the, the references there, you know, would put it in a context of tribulation, you know, where the, you know, the, the labor pains are happening, um, you know, but it almost seems like it's, it's not you know, the specific day of the Lord's wrath, uh, you know, which is the tribulation. So I, I think, you know, that would be a fair statement. Um, you know, so we have to look at what scriptures do talk about test tested. Go ahead. I just got a light bulb, that hour of testing. So just as we were talking about how the enemy has to go into the throne room and ask permission I think God is going to be gracious and say, no, 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 not this person. I'm not letting you do that. This person has already proved themselves. Mm. Wow. Sweet. Sweet. Wow. That's good. <laughs> wow. That is because it's good. an hour, right? It's which is a short period of time. It's not it just literally that just came to me. So pray on it. I'm not saying it's gospel truth, but I'm going to settle on that. Hopefully that's now. the 11th, the 12th hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know in exodus chapter 8 he protects his own like we forget that you know the children of israel were protected throughout all of the plagues and everything and then when the death angel came you know what did he do he said take a lamb you know pure mark the doors and, and uh, i hope everyone uh, with everything just he's teaching about anointing oil anoints their home anoint the doors you know uh, his, his hand is upon us for protection. And, you know, he doesn't see time in the same way we see it. So he could be talking about a thing rather than an hour, you know, um, but at the same time, he wants us to hold on during these times because his protection is there, you know, and I love what you just said, because Jesse said it, you know, he goes in there and he's like, let me accuse, like we saw in the book of Job. And then the Lord will say, no, Nope, your, your time with them is done. That hour for you is over. And now, you know, they're just going to hold on while everything else goes on. <laughs> and then we're going to see his glory. So that's exciting to me. That's like an exciting revelation right there. <laughs> it is. And listen, if he is for me, who could be against me? Right. 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 But, but that needs to be tested a few times in your life, I think, before we get to this. Spot <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got to get to that first Peter 1 7 moment where it's like you realize the trying of your faith, it's for it to refine you even greater than gold, you know, and then you say, okay, thank you that I went through that. I'm glad I learned the lesson. Let's go next thing, you know, <laughs> so 
and then we walk in victory. And when you wake up in the morning, there's a time in your life when, and Jesse can attest to this, when you wake up in the morning, Satan goes, she's up again. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't have to constantly, he, he, it's not saying he won't try, but there, there comes a season in your life where you start recognizing exactly what he's doing and you can turn it on him. You speak the prophetic is to speak the contrary to it, right? So if he's coming at you with family and family's driving you bonkers, you start saying, Father, I thank you that your word said my family is my inheritance and that they will serve you. And as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And every time Satan comes at you with something, you come back with the word of God, the contrary to what he's saying, and you will not fall for his wiles, his devices, his mind games anymore. That's where the battle is in that brain, you know. Jody, you are on fire today. <laughs> wow, I am so privileged to have the two of you here doing this, and so is the audience. I hope you know what we have in Jesse and Jody. All right, I am coming quickly. Hold firmly to what you have so that no one will take your crown. So let's just define what the crowns are. That's a pretty easy one. Jesse? Yeah, those are the crowns that are given at the end times for those who have persevered and remained faithful to the Lord. says that he will give us a crown. Um, but thinking about that, you know, um, those crowns are given, I believe, after the judgment. You know, after the Lord has judged those who are his and those who are not, and there's this separation. So, you know, it kind of makes me go back to the verse we just talked about, the, that testing period. You know, is it possible that that could be speaking of, you know, that hour when the Lord will be revealing, you know, all things laid bare and he'll be, you know, deciding if those people you know, are worthy to enter into his kingdom or not. And maybe there's those, you know, that those who've been washed in the blood of the lamb, those who have remained faithful to his word. And, you know, it doesn't mean that they're perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, it never says that. Um, but maybe they're spared from that hour of, you know, judgment, we'll just say. Amen. Yeah, and the word talks about five crowns of, um, you know, throughout scripture. So there's a crown of life, incorruptible crown, crown of righteousness, crown of glory, and crown of rejoicing. So if he's telling you, don't let anyone take these crowns from you, he's telling you, continue rejoicing, stay in the glory of God, continue to wear your breastplate of righteousness, you know, wear a, an un incorruptible crowd. In other words, nobody can get you to compromise, you know, and all and the crown of life, your life is in Christ. You know, when when he talked to the poor church that we read about in last week, you know, that he was like, you've, you've got nothing, but you've got everything because here the things here don't matter. It's our eternal life that matters. So I believe that scripture is telling us of all those things, all those crowns, don't allow anyone to pull you away from those things. And I remember when I was in ministry in, in a church, I worked there seven years and I ran a, a children's ministry. I also ran a, a leadership in women with the women and taught in their school of leaders. And uh, a lot of people want to grab on and hook on to 
the teacher or the leader or the pastor or whatever. And what happens is their relationship with God is through that person rather than forming an intimacy with God on their own. So with this, don't let anyone steal this crown for you. I, I would really like to encourage the audience to remember it's, it's so wonderful that we all love each other, but remember your intimacy and the crowns that you have on are one-on-one -on -one with God. And don't let anybody get between them. Because if you even put a good person in between you and God, and that person has a moment of weakness, like we just said, none of us are perfect. You know, um, you know, if that person falls, you might fall with them. You know, so you want to remain in intimacy, like we were talking about with relationship and prayer with God and God alone, and let nothing or no one get between you and him. And then you will be sustained within those crowns. And, and that's an exciting thing. But there's so much power in these verses. We don't want to miss that. You know? Okay, so I'm going to be cruel just for one second here. Yeah. Does that mean we don't have to confess our sins to a high person of God that will carry it to God himself? And where it says simply that we are to confess to one another. Right. It right. does not say you have to confess to a pastor or a you know, ordained clergy. Exactly. I was just, um, yeah, I, I was being a bit specific there. So let listen, we got to, we got to keep going on here. Uh, but this is really cool. The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anywhere. So we make you a pillar in the temple. What does that say to you, Jesse? Well, for me, it's very um, beautiful imagery because, you know, up until this point, you have, you know, the, the only people who can enter into those intimate spots in the temple of God are the priests. And, you know, they were only, even the high priests were only allowed to enter at certain times, you know, and they, they had to follow very strict regulations. So, to literally be a pillar, something that's holding up, you know, the foundation of that temple and to permanently be stationed there. You know, it's, you, there's no having to go in or out. You're there. You're part of that, that place where God dwells. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, it's powerful imagery. Yeah. It really is. And, and by the way, uh, just going back to the crowns, we're going to discover later that actually you get all these crowns, but then you present them at the Lord's feet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then these people become a pillar and everyone's going to have assignments in, in you know, the, the new heaven. We're going to be working. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is, uh, it's, it's so important and this is such beautiful imagery. Mm -hmm. So then it goes on to say, uh, my God and the name of the city of the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. So again, this isn't the physical Jerusalem that we see here on earth. This one is corrupted. It's in bondage. There's all kinds of terrible things happening right there. But literally, there's a new Jerusalem that's going to come down. That's a massive reconstruction project. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so they, they could be building the temple right now for the Antichrist to rise, by the way. 
going to get crushed because the new one's going to come and sit right down on top of it and crush it. Amen. <laughs> so I the one who has an ear, too. let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, do you have an ear? I have an ear. It's what the Spirit says. So, uh, Jody, why don't you read the message to Laodicea? Okay. Again, I'm King James Version. But, um, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm I, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you, thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and he will sup with me, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne, that he hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Amen. So I will confess something at the beginning of this. Okay. The part where you're never cold nor hot, mm -hmm. this was the, and he's going to spew you out of his mouth. This was the scariest part of the Bible to me for years. Thankfully, it isn't anymore. But for years, I thought, oh, man, you know, because I had known the good things of life. And then I, I became the guy that was described here. I'll just be 100% honest. I think we all have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how does he introduce himself this time? Very different from the last two times. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of creation of God says this. Why does he introduce himself this way to this church? You got it, Jess? Sure. Um, for me, you know, the amen comes after usually in scripture, you know, where we're, we're saying, you know, all glory, all honor, all praise belong to you. And, you know, it's like the prayer doesn't stop there. You've got the amen. It continues going. Um, and why? Because what happens after you're done is, is there's this proceeding forth, this going out where, you know, he brings out that he is the word, you know, he's the word that proceedeth forth, but keeps going the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and we think about that, you know, what happened during the creation, 
um, you know, the Lord spoke. And so he was that word that proceeded forth. And did it stop? Did the word stop working just, you know, at the end of those seven day creations? Um, you know, the majority of scholars, it, it, it's interesting. I, I'm just going to go back to Genesis here for a second. Um, you know, in that first chapter of Genesis, it says in the beginning was the word and, or sorry, um, God created all things and that word created um in the actual hebrew there is no no vowels it was an oral tradition passed on and so they just go off of what was commonly passed on orally and they don't um you know it could be taken different ways so the majority of scholars you know believe that past tense that it was speaking of the created that it was a completed work and you know, that is true. All, all those seven days were a completed work of God. But if we're looking at scripture layered, it could have possible meanings. There's, you know, there's another way to interpret that verse, you know, where it says in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth, which puts it in a tense where that creating is ongoing. It's something that you know, continues to proceed forth. Um, the word is constantly speaking. And so I think that that ties in to hear that that's why he's saying he was the beginning of that creation of God. Um, you know, the first thing that the Lord, you know, it wasn't proclaimed that it was created, but what was the first thing God created? He, he spoke. And, you know, that was the very first thing. Mm -hmm. And then also, uh, amen means so be it. He is the one who, when he speaks, it is. Just like she's saying, the creation is so be it. You know, so that's why we say amen at the end, you know, and Lord, so be it. <laughs> so it ties right in with what she's saying about the word. And, and, and it also means truth. So mm -hmm. it, just because the, the word from the original uh, Hebrew and then the Greek doesn't really translate. We don't have as many words in English as they do in right. those other languages. So in English, you'll see a lot of the times at the very beginning, verily, verily, I say to you, right. which means truly, truly, I say to you. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet we have amen at the end, which you're right. And the, the most common way that I use it is let it be so, mm -hmm. um, just the way I pray. But it also means truth. That's why if someone's preaching and, uh, you know, someone in the congregation goes, amen. They're saying truth, right? They're saying yeah. truth. They're not saying it's the end of your speaking. They're saying it's the truth. So right, right. Uh, there's a lot there to do, but the origins and the creation of God. So what, what, what I think he's getting at here is he knows your deeds. He knows your end and he wants good for you. You know, yeah. he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. And by the way, you know, in, in studying, you know, stewardship and stuff like that one of the things we talk about is with with mammon and stuff like that like mammon can be very rewarding and it's going to get into this here uh because you're rich and all this stuff look if you're completely sold out mammon will make you really rich <laughs> and it is a curse and that's what god is saying here and by the way that doesn't mean you can't be rich being a son of child of god i think he wants you to Oh, he yeah. wants to give you more. He wants to uh, have, but you have to be able to take the responsibility for it. And right. 
And here's the thing why this is so important. If we are going into this time where we have a jubilee, many people think that this is going to happen, myself as well. And all of a sudden you have access to no debts. You have access to riches. You have access to things. Are you going to be able to handle it? Because it can become a curse. And I think this is going to be one of, in fact, oh boy, oh boy, this could be the hour of testing that we're talking about with the, with the Philadelphia church. That could be, literally, that could be the hour of testing because if, if that is coming, and I believe it is, uh, you know, materialistic things and all of a sudden, hey, listen, I've been, this is where I was, you know, I started off, I started stewarding, I worked my way up, I worked my way up, and then I started, you know, being able to do anything I wanted to, and, and I started to forget about the principles that got me there. I forgot about all this stuff, and so this is a warning uh, here, and uh, you have to remember, God is your provider. Oh, but, but, but Jesse made that Jesse wrote that great book. No, God put it on her heart to write that great book. And then she prayed and he gave her the words. Mm -hmm. Oh, but Jesse sought out and found the best publisher or this and that. No, her book is doing really well because God has blessed it. Mm -hmm. God Amen. is the provider. Look, you could have a clever idea. I take credit for clever ideas all the time, but I thank God that he gave me a mind to get those clever ideas. Mm -hmm. And by the way, not all, not all of them have panned out to be so clever. So. <laughs> uh, the but. reason G Jesus gave us the parable of the sower was to teach us that. And the Bible says the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. Well, we're not going to need it in heaven. So there's going to be a time that the wealth is going to be taken from the sinner and give to the just. So we have to remember what, exactly what you're saying, Jeff, the parable of the sower. Are we going to be faithful with what's given to us and wise? So, you know, or are we going to heap it upon our lust of our flesh, our mind, our, you know, whatever. So it, it's, it's, it's a trying time. That's the biggest try right there. And, and that goes into this next verse, Jody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, this next part, Jeff, too, it, it, it always really scared me just the thought of thinking about, you know, this process that, you know, you have the Lord who you know, he speaks every word and it proceeds forth out of his mouth and accomplishes his will. And, you know, either it's hot or it's cold, you know, it, it doesn't specify, but then you've got this lukewarm. And I just imagine, you know, God sitting there, like he's got this word on his mouth. And instead of speaking it forth, he just is sitting there kind of, <laughs> letting it float around in there over and over and what happens it sits there and it gathers spit you know yeah and it's not even worthy of proceeding from his mouth wow. and that thought just scares me to be something that's not even worthy that god would speak it forth mm -hmm. and then finally when it comes out he just spits it on the ground it comes to nothing accomplishes nothing you know it's dead there's nothing in it of value. Um, and that's a pretty scary thought. That is a scary thought. It is. And I think it, it heeds the warning of this is the person who wants to walk through the wide gate. Mm -hmm. The gate is narrow, the one that we go through. And, uh, you know, if you think that, you know, 
well, let me coin a phrase, not from the Bible, do what thou wilt. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I entered this and I, I, you're allowed to be a Christian here. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to someone in the audience is going to hear this. I'm speaking to someone that is the person that's going to be spewed out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. What does light have with darkness? You see, the Lord is absolute. He's absolute. He's absolutely good. He's absolutely God. He's absolute. So you're either all in light or you're all in darkness. There is really no difference. If I'm in a dark room and I flick the light on there, you know, if the light is working properly, there's no, uh, you know, gentle turning on of brightness. It's light or dark, (laughs) you know, so, um, and we have to remember that it's what does, you know, darkness have to do with the light. And if we're carrying Christ, again, we talked about that glory, about that rain, uh, you know, the um, raiment of the white, you know, we want to represent that and and wear that, that raiment, that glory. So what a good point that you just made. Yeah, and Jesus didn't whisper secrets to the apostles that they weren't supposed to share with everybody. Right. Okay, let's just be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go down to 18 here. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments. There's the garments again, that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. Hmm. so what does he mean by gold from me okay i'll give you my thoughts okay. like, i just <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to dominate uh, it, but i just this used to be so scary to me and now i celebrate because it's not scary to me anymore mm-hmm. so what is buying gold from him what is buying the refiner's gold Well, what's precious to God? It's his word and his word going forth and owning that inside of you. This is what is valuable. It isn't your materialistic thing. Look, your beautiful mansion isn't going to heaven with you, right? This is buying because, and this is really important. um, We think, okay, none of your treasures here on earth are going to go into the millennium, they're not going into heaven with them. But there are treasures that will go to heaven. There are treasures, and that's how you get your crowns. That's how these things happen. Listen, if if one person got saved because you heard me say that prayer earlier, you're part of my treasure in heaven. Thank you for that. You know, <laughs> and I'm gonna thank you by saying another special prayer for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, but so th- this is buying the gold from him. What's important from him? It's gone through the refiner's fire. It's pure. Mm-hmm. It's pure. Well, isn't that the one thing everybody wants to avoid? I've heard people throughout my life as a Christian say, you know, the minute I accepted Christ, everything went wrong, you know? Oh, that was my story. So, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so I, I think here he's saying, buy into this, buy into the refining of your soul accept that kind of gold because that's the riches that that you take like you said to heaven because this other gold we just read it before it's going to pass away that in first peter one and seven you know that kind of gold is not going to last but this kind of gold that i'm offering you that if you buy into that 
You know, is it pretty? No. Is it fun sometimes? No, but it will, it will build you up spiritually to where one day he, like we were talking before, Jesse said, the enemy will go into the gates of heaven. And your revelation was that the Lord's going to say, no, you can't touch that one at this hour. So we want to get there. We want to, we want to be willing servants. And, and you're so right. Like, you know, literally uh, just being real. And I've shared with Jesse quite a bit off camera. This is literally the third time in my life the Lord is systematically dismantling it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but this is a refining fire thing. I think, and now I see it coming. Okay, God, you're moving me from here to here now. Okay, I get it. Tell me where to go. I want to go. Right. Um, but it, it's so good. It's so good. Um, maybe close, rebuke. What, what else do we, therefore, be zealous and repent again? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice is open the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. I love this. And, and one of the things I learned from uh, Steve Anderson uh, when he does this is where it says, I will come into him and will dine with him. It's different than being the born again, because I'm assuming these people have already received Christ here. He's talking to a church, but it's into separate words. It's not into like coming within me. He's coming in to my house to dine with me. So he's saying, come back to this relationship with me. Come back, come back. And he gives, he tells you how repent. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If I could just touch on the eye swab, you know, um, before we get to that, um, he's talking about anointing yourself. That anointing thing is so important and that the Lord leading Jesse in that way. We don't want to miss that because we want the God to remove the scales from our eyes. You know, Jesus spit into dirt and put it on the man's eyes and he saw for the first time. So we want to anoint our eyes and ask God to help us to see in this realm and, and, and help that to make us have this in intimacy with him. And then not to be afraid of the rebuke or the, um, or the, you know, um, the chastisement of the Lord, because those things, just like when I was bent over in pain and my brain started to go, oh, I hope this isn't. And the Lord said, don't you accept that? That was not a nice little sweet voice that I heard over my own. That was a rebuke. Don't you, you know better. Don't you accept that? So, and then you take this, you know, he's at the door and he's knocking and supping with someone, eating with someone, sitting at the table, sharing, breaking bread. How intimate is that? He did that with his disciples before he left. You know, it's such an intimacy. Like, I can't wait until all this nonsense is over. And, you know, so that we could all sit at a table and sup together and share and laugh and, you know, break bread. And it's, it just shows such an intimacy. And then he talks about being in his throne with him. Again, he's making us one with him. He's, he's including us in it, not under it, not above it, like Jesse was saying before, but in it, you know, and, uh, but that's for the overcomer who can pass all these different understandings and not be afraid. Yeah, and Jesse, I really want your take on this because listen to some of the things you've seen on uh, on verse twenty one. Uh, you know, we can pretty much close it out there because we've already covered the ear uh, to hear. But just go, just tell me what you see in verse twenty three. You mean 21? Oh, 21, 21, Sorry, I got to put on my glasses. 
it's interesting because it's, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who takes scripture very literally. And so you, you know, you couldn't get a much better gift or, or promise from the Lord that, you know, he says, he who overcomes, I will grant. That means he's giving permission. I will give him permission to sit with me on my throne. Um, there's only one place to sit with the Lord on his throne people, and that's on his lap. You know, so think of that intimacy that, you know, like a child, you know, the father is saying here, you can sit with me on my throne. And, you know, from that place, you know, what are his intentions that we shall reign with him? Um, you know, so he's, he's allowing us to you know, enter into that place where his full, the fullness of his power, his authority, his love, his holiness, his righteousness, um, will know him, you know, and, and think of the position there that as the enemy comes, you know, the Lord's not going to be covering up your ears and saying, okay, you know, let's cover your ears for a moment. The enemy's speaking. I don't want you to know what the enemy is asking me. No, you know, it puts us in a very strategic position. We will know exactly what the enemy is requesting of the Lord. Why will God allow us to hear that so that we can say, you know, Lord, you know, we don't don't grant that request. You know, this is what I'm asking instead. So it's a very strategic position to, you know, make your requests of the Lord countering the requests that the enemy is making. Um, and that word overcome, you know, is, is set within that setting. And, you know, what does his word say? His word says that he, you know, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he puts us into a position where that can be done. Not, not just him doing it, but it's that, that fellowship that he desires us to be a part of that mm -hmm. amen here's where i want to close out jesse i'm going to ask you to pray and if you would include in that prayer that just that what you just discussed about the throne room and sitting on his lap uh, a lot of people especially men like i think we struggle with this imagery a little bit you know we struggle with being called the bride and things like that, but but even because there's no words to really describe the things in the spirit, and this is all in the spirit, okay, this is all in the spirit, so Jesse, if you could pray that the, you know, myself, Jody, everyone who's listening to this broadcast would start to get pictures and have that become real in them, and knowing that this is really what we're shooting for, is that intimacy to be able to sit on his lap on the throne and even the ones that he's warning here in the Laodicea what a beautiful way to end he's saying repent and this is what you can have so I pray this becomes real in everyone's life and uh and mm. Jesse if you can close us out with that prayer I think yeah. that would be wonderful Heavenly Father we come before you today Lord and as your word says that you desire that we would anoint our eyes so that we could see so I ask that each one would leave here today and anoint their eyes and ask you to open them that they may see the things that are of the spirit, 
the things that are of your higher revelations, Lord, because it's all about that relationship with you, that you desire us to be aware, to know these things that you want to reveal. Um, in fact, you desire to discuss the thoughts and the plans that are on your heart with us, Lord. So I pray that every day we would come, that we would sit at your feet, that we would be willing to hear and to take that time to listen, to see, to, to wrestle or talk with you or discuss these things and enter into that, um, that engagement with you over the things that you are revealing. And I often think of that imagery of, um, of Father Abraham, that, that you came into the place where he had his tent you came into onto that property and he set before you stones and on those stones, he made a fire and he cooked a meal for you and sat with you around those stones, um, eating and fellowshipping and, and talking. And I pray for each of us that we would be able to come to that place of intimacy with you where we could sit around the little cook fire, Lord. And for those, Lord, who do not know you, I just ask that they would pray um, today, that they would ask you to forgive their sins, that they would ask you to come into their hearts and, and tell you that they want to have you as Lord of their lives. They want that intimacy, that fellowship, Lord. So we ask for these things in your powerful name, Jesus. And ask that we may go forward this week with your power, your authority, exercising our rights as heavenly citizens. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Revelation Sunday with Jody, Jesse, and Jeff. Thank you for listening to Right On Radio. We'll see you on Tuesday. May God bless each and every one of you. Remember, love your God, love your family. Love your neighbor and anoint your community. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.